Welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie. And, uh, well, actually, not today. Uh, this week's episode is a Miguel and Ray episode. Yep, that's right, episode number two. Uh, this week, they're going to be enjoy watching a French movie that I actually do not know the name of, uh, only that it involves sex and drugs and, well, that's about it. Uh, you're going to enjoy it just as much as I'm going to enjoy it, so Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to what is this? Bad Hombres, uh, the talking <laughs> podcast, uh, the Miguel and Ray show. Ooh, uh, it's me, your host, Miguel, you know, the one and only. And, uh, you know, we're here to talk about some movies, make a little love, spread a little joy, make you guys happy. I am joined with by Ray. Hey, what's going on? God, you sexy beast, dude. You're like. You're like what just the epitome of what makes me happy. I look at you and I just feel fucking like, you know, that urge in my groin to just fucking love. Would you say uh, Adonis? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, more of a god of some kind. Was it? Uh, no, Adonis wasn't a god. The uh, sexual, maybe like a sexual god. Oh, yeah. You see what I did? Oh, there? that was a good segue. Yeah, thanks. Oh, um, I like Cadillac of a man better. Oh, you're right, dude. <laughs> I think you're better than a Cadillac. You'd be like a, a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> like a, a nice, like, 2021 Toyota Yaris. Not 22. You it hurts. Relax, dude. It hurts. No, dude, you got the nice screen in the front. You, like, fucking... You're, you're roomy for what you have going on. So, my mom used to have this car. Shitty Nissan, right? But, you know, we had... We drove what we could to get by, you know? And... It wasn't quite gold, but it wasn't quite green either. It was a very off color. Oh, dude. And me and my dad would call it Grold. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a Grold Nissan Altima. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like you got like, Dave like, Grold? Like, 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 a, like an old one. Because it wasn't green, but it wasn't gold. So yeah. it was Grold. You know, it was somewhere in the middle. You know what, dude? If I'm any color, I would be Grold. Yeah. Yeah, like 100%. It's a very off-putting color. Yeah, it it's like, nice you're just color. like a really shitty human being, but you have like your redeeming qualities. No, it's like you're a shitty human being, but people can't quite see it yet. Oh, okay, you, okay. You, ha- you have like a nice veneer up. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Like a nice finish. Yeah. Yeah, like a sparkly. Like, like, like people are curious, but like they're looking at you and they're like, eh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Oh, uh, dude, 100%. I, I can't wait to talk about this in therapy. <laughs> like, oh my God, dude. I'm so excited fuck um okay oh, no, that's so, gonna be a good one my friend called me grold he called me grold and i just don't know how and, to deal with and it and this is how i feel about it because <laughs> i think he was right <laughs> i really do if you look at I, the color spectrum in my skin i feel grold i'm not sure how you feel about it god dude this episode's gonna be fucking grold <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is gonna be a weird one yeah so i haven't slept in like 23 hours Ray's been up since 4 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. And we're recording this at 5 p.m. So for some reason, we decided to drink an entire bottle of cognac. And um, now we're here. But I thought that it would be fun if I introduced Ray to a lot of my favorite movies. Because um, I know that you like movies and I know you have like a vast... I, for those few of you who are regular listeners, you would know by this point that Miguel has a very unique taste. 
So when he says, introduce me to his movies. <laughs> Why'd you look at me like that? You know why I looked at you. Like I know, that. but you look like you wanted to hate fuck me. You you know what we just watched. I know, but you, you looked a lot at me of hate fucking going on in that with movie. a lot of like pleasure in your eyes, but at the same time, like some sort of disdain. It was a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Caliente. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, corazón. Say, <laughs> say it again. Caliente. <laughs> no, but without the hesitation. Well, anyways. Um, <laughs> say it with confidence. <laughs> so for those of you who may or may not know, Gaspar Noir, Gaspar Noé is one of my favorite filmmakers. He, how would I describe it? He does something with the camera that's like, it, it like changes the way that you perceive movies and shit when, like when you're watching it. So I thought it would be fun to show Ray one of his more like iconic movies, Climax. This movie was a fucking movie. That 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 was an experience. But before we even delve into that, just to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, just off of this one movie alone, because I haven't seen this guy's works other than this one movie. What you were talking about with the camera, I can see it. I imagine, I can see what's going on in this guy's head through the camera. If that makes sense. Okay. You know what I mean, like. I can at least what I think I I'm seeing what he wants me to see. You know what I mean? I'm feeling yeah. the way he wants me to feel. And I think that is powerful when it comes to cinematography and stuff like that. That that's kind of the stuff that you don't really see as a regular person. You know what I mean? You have to be looking for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like as we're watching the movie, if he wanted us to feel uncomfortable, he, he was making damn sure we were feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't leaving it up to the imagination or anything like that. He was, well, he was, he was leaving some things up to the imagination, but that was more so with the plot of the movie. I'm yeah. just talking with the cinematography. He was showing you everything that he wanted to show you. Yeah. Like everything that was left out from the plot, you, you knew watching the movie that that was intentional. Yeah. That what he wasn't showing you was exactly what he didn't want you to see. Like he wanted you to t- pick up the context clues of what was happening during the shot mm-hmm. in order for you to be like, Oh shit, maybe this is what's going on. This, you know, this and this and that. Yeah. Cause this movie doesn't really give you any context. You're watching it and that's what it is. Yeah. You know, but I guess we could use that to segue into talking about what the movie is about. So do you want to like maybe fill us in on that? Okay. Um, a tiny bit of context anyway, in two sentences, give me what the movie's about. And then I will elaborate. Um, a French dance troupe in the nineties. It was in the nineties, right? It was somewhere around there. I think the somewhere time in the was 90s. vague, but it, you know, based on what you saw, I think you I'm assuming it was somewhere in the nineties, early two thousands, something like that. It was said it was based off of true events, but basically, a bunch of French people <laughs> start a dance troupe, and they accidentally take drugs while they're dancing and having a good time and things happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good sum up <laughs> while keeping it vague, you know, because um, this is definitely a movie. You just, I, I can't say I would recommend this movie, but if you were into strange things and trippy ass movies and shit, this would definitely be for you. You know, yeah. And it, having the least amount of context as possible going in. Cause that's how I went in. Miguel was telling me about it 
as we were hanging out today before we actually watched the movie. And I just, it was in one ear and out the other. I couldn't remember shit he said by the time we actually started the movie. So I was going in blind. All I knew was that it was a French film. And because Miguel was showing it to me, it was probably fucked up. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I think the cognac helped with you. <laughs> <laughs> helped me be a little more susceptible. Yeah. Um. Because in the middle there, I was like, why the fuck am I watching this? You know? <laughs> um, so essentially, yeah, that's what that's what happened in like the 1960s or something. There was a dance troupe. They were practicing for a competition. They nailed their routine and they were like happy about it. So they decided to celebrate. Someone spiked their punch with LSD. And that's a true story. Everything else that happened in the movie very much not how it happened in real life, but he took the inspiration from that one story and then decided to dwell into this whole, like, madness. Like, how would being in that room actually feel when everyone is on that much acid? Yeah, like, you he know? just cranked it up to, like, 10. Yeah, and you're just, you're in there, you know, because, not to spoil a whole lot, but there are a lot of one-shot takes in the movie. So like long elaborate scenes that are only happening in one shot, the camera's following the action the whole time. And yeah, that, that kind of shot makes what's happening very personal because you're not turning away. You're not cutting away. There's no disorientation other than what's going on in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? And that kind of shot is very personal. That really gets you into what's going on. And yeah. the fact that so much of this movie is shot like that, really makes you feel like you're there just experiencing all of this as it's happening and it's it's a fucking trip man yeah because like we talked about it while the movie was well i talked to you about it before the movie started and then like moments throughout the movie i would like lean over to you and like dude so about halfway through the movie the drugs kick in and that's when the movie fucking like ramps up so halfway through the movie instead of it like being multiple shots it's all one continuous shot. So I'm going to say it's an hour and a half movie about like 30, 30 something minutes in. It's just one shot. It It's like they're doing drugs. They, um, they, it's a, the intro of it is like someone getting some punch and the camera is like focused on the punch. And then from there, it just follows everything, everything that's going on. Everyone's going crazy. It just follows everyone. But only from specific points of view at one time, because it's only one camera. Yeah. And the one camera can only be in so many places and follow so many things with such a large group of people. So a lot of the times you're just hearing shit happen in the background while the camera is following something else. And like, it, it's gruesome, man. It, it's it's pretty yeah. fucked up. Because like I said, they don't really give you context in the movie. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of in the dark the whole fucking time. You know, as yeah. to what's actually going on. And in that aspect, like I said earlier, he actually does leave that up to your imagination. But the human imagination is a fucked up thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You you could take that some fucking places. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the places that your brain can take it are fucking grim. Yeah. But the, the, the whole feel of the movie incentivizes you to take it to that grim place. Because it's giving you little breadcrumbs, you yeah. know what I mean, throughout the movie. And you're like, oh, 
oh man <laughs> that yeah. person's fucked <laughs> and um j- just to bring it back to the the beginning so the movie starts off with them interviewing everyone that's going to be in the dance troupe and they're talking to them about like like either their vices or like their their passions and this and this and that and that's where you infer like oh this kind of person is going to be this throughout the movie like the first time i watched the movie because this was my second time watching it i paid attention to that but it didn't sink in right so watching it now knowing what i know happens in the movie i was like engrossed completely because i was like oh this person's talking about this that's why they react this way throughout the movie and it was just fucking masterful dude because it really like it really hits yeah, I 100% feel that because you, you were telling me to like, like pay extra attention in the beginning of the movie when they were giving that context, the little bit of context you get in the movie, really. And I'm like, oh, I see, I see. Because when stuff was happening later, it made sense. Yeah. He gave you everything you needed to understand what was actually going on in such a short amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like his movie was very much just about the experience of what was going on once the drugs kicked in. You know, and everything up to that, he just wanted to show you like, hey, you know, this is their human nature turned up to a hundred. Yeah. This is them unrestrained kind of thing. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. when you're under the influence of that much bullshit, you know? Yeah. Like these are the aspects of their personality. Now let's turn it all the way up and see what happens with everyone is in the same room with the same personality amped up all the way to a hundred. Yeah. And it, it was fucking masterful, dude. Like, like I really recommend everyone watch this movie. Um, I'm, a, I'm sure at some point we're going to get into spoilers because it's something that's kind of hard to talk about without actually talking about everything that happens. But, like, if you haven't seen the movie, like, pause this, go watch the movie. This could wait because this <laughs> is really something that you need to experience without you having actually, like, really any context to it. Because I, 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 I tried not giving you anything. When I told you about the movie, because I knew that if you had just gone into it dry, it would hurt so much more. Yeah. And that's how I've been trying to experience a lot of media lately. I try not to watch a whole lot of trailers. I watch just the very first trailer, like the teaser or the actual trailer, just to get in my head like, okay, this is the feel they're going for at least. So I know what I'm in for. But everything else I'm typically in the dark on nowadays. Mm -hmm. I try not to look into anything. And I'll just watch it just to see how I feel about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that when something happens, I know that nothing is influencing me on that decision. It's just me mm-hmm. going like, all right, well, did I enjoy that decision? How did that make me feel kind of thing? You know? So I know that it's genuine and I'm not just, oh, this sucks because my favorite fucking uh, reviewer said it sucked kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I, I think that shit's bullshit. Then there's so much of that going on nowadays yeah where it's just mob mentality this one person says it sucks so we all have to believe it sucks now and i'm like no just watch it fresh how do you feel about it yeah you might you might see some shit in it that the reviewer didn't see you know or even if it does suck did you still have fun did you enjoy it you know most marvel movies i don't think that they're good movies but i see what they're going for and i'm like all right that's cool you nailed it on this one. You didn't nail it on this one. You outright missed. You were in the wrong ballpark on this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, Doctor Strange. <laughs> no, but I, but I get like, entirely yeah. what you're saying because it's such a... Because like any art form that you go into, 
is just like a shock. Mm-hmm. Whether it be a good shock, a random sh- like it's just it's something that just blurts out at you immediately. And most of it, you don't have any like pretext for it. Like mm-hmm. you, when you're scrolling through Instagram and stuff and you see a fucking picture that someone drew, you're not like, oh, I already knew this person was going to draw this picture because they announced it like six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. <laughs> you're just like, oh, wow, this is their picture. This is how I feel about it. This is what I like. And I feel like that's where we're letting movies down because movie is like film is such a beautiful art form because just one movie, just one movie could really change your outlook on a lot of things. Right. But mm-hmm. instead of us like, I guess, accepting it or going into it the way that we should, we're just like completely bombarded by like a bunch of Marvel shit or like a bunch of like Disney shit or just like stuff that people tell us that is going to be good. There's a lot of corporate stuff because exactly. when movies are made with like expression and emotion and shit involved, whereas if they're made for money, there are two different feels. Yeah. And most of the Marvel movies, at least currently feel like they're made for money. You know, mm-hmm. I would venture to say like a good 90% of them feel like they're made for money. Uh, only a very choice few actually feel like they were actually trying to be good movies. Yeah. You know, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Th- that one's good. But <laughs> the Infinity uh, War movies, those ones were good. But everything outside of that, it just feels like, oh, we were just. We we're just like, hey, this movie's just to show you, hey, this character's here. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I, why am I here for this? It's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm yeah. watching the early showing for this movie. This, this, this sucks. <laughs> and it sucks. Cause I, I feel like we're never going to get an Iron Man again. Yeah. Cause you went into Iron Man expecting it to suck. Like you did with all the other fucking Marvel movies before that. Cause they did suck. Yeah. But you left except blade. <laughs> no, oh, dude, I don't even consider blade a Marvel movie anymore. That's just, <laughs> that's just a must watch. You know? Oh man. Yeah, I feel that. But you went into Iron Man 1 just not expecting anything, and you got everything. Yeah, it was pretty decent. Like, it had a cohesive plot. It was a little simple in its storytelling, but it was still there. And it was kind of... I I don't want to say it was the first of its kind, but it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And then, like, there was an after credit scene and everything. That's what started the trend. Wasn't the first to do it, but that's what started the trend. Mm -hmm. You know? Like... Hey, there was because I remember I saw that movie and I didn't see the after credit scene. I left. Yeah, me either. And I, there were some people talking about it at school because we were in middle school, I think, at the time when that shit was going on. About to leave middle school, going to high school and shit. And um, yeah, like people were like, "Oh yeah, there was a after credit scene as Samuel L. Jackson was in there," and I'm like, "What? What? No shit, <laughs> dude! I've never seen the after credit scene." Yeah, it's just Nick Fury walking out, telling them about the Avengers Initiative and that stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And they started it all the way back then. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was a treat back then. And now it's just kind of like the expected thing. Every movie yeah. follows. It's very formulaic. It's know? like, how many are we going to get this movie? Yeah. So like when A24 is doing their thing right now where they're just pushing movies that are just strange and different and shit, you know? Most of them are a breath of fresh air because it's like, oh, I'm watching an actual fucking movie again. I'm watching someone's yeah. artistic expression. I'm trying to feel what they wanted me to feel, you know, kind of thing. And just kind of go from there. Like these characters are actually doing something. I haven't finished The Green Knight yet, but the beginning of The Green Knight. <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, dude. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah. Like like it start. it's very heavy, heavily leaning 
on its characters because obviously it's not expecting you to know right off the bat about the Arthurian legend and shit of the Green Knight and all of that bullshit, you know? You should be able to just go into the movie and pick up on that just from the context of the movie. Yeah. You know, without any of that, which was not to double back, but I think that's where the Marvel movies fail <laughs> in a lot of things. Yeah. They expect you to have watched everything preceding it. And I'm like, that's fine. But if I'm just going into this, I still need to know what's going on. <laughs> and the way that they bring in new villains that are so like important in the comic books is like shitty. Dude, yeah, like, man. They, they killed off fucking, um, what the fucking Batman? Like immediately. Oh, Christian Bale, you mean? Yeah, I forgot his name in the... Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, dude. And uh, from what you've told me, he's like a really important character. He was a big deal. Yeah. He was a big deal. His sword is a big deal. His sword is the biggest deal right now in the Marvel comics. And they just broke it in the movie. Yeah. Know? After Gore he the God kicked Butcher. their ass, like for how many... They fought like three times. He won every single time, but this time it was different. Yeah. Because he had kids. <laughs> yeah, because there was children involved with fractions of the power of the guy he's beat already twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's so weird. But um, yeah, like A24 is putting out some fucking bangers right now, man. I would venture to say that Everything Everywhere All at Once is my favorite movie at the moment. Okay. That movie did some shit for me, dude. Just everything in the way it was, the actors chosen everything about that movie just fucking popped for me. I love that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did that movie made me cry? Like uh, I've seen that movie seven times. <laughs> yeah. I cried at least five yeah. times of me watching that movie. Cause it's so fucking powerful. It's a really good movie. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that a 24 puts out is good. It's just strange, strange as a motherfucker. Yeah. Like climax strange as a motherfucker. Dude. Okay. Midsommar <sighs> weird. Oh my I I can't even say Midsommar is a good movie. It it definitely made me feel weird. But <laughs> I don't think Midsommar is a great movie, but I would. So. You have to give credit to people for what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Like just with the uh, climax, like mm-hmm. even if you didn't like what Gaspar Noe, Noe was uh, putting out there, the way that he presented it and the way that he did it, like it's a movie he can only do. Like you're never gonna see anyone else make climax. Yeah, no, that that definitely that movie definitely has some personality to it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like a um, who is that guy that did uh the Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh, uh, fuck, he's my favorite director, dude. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson did it. You can very tell a Wes Anderson movie when you're looking at the trailer. Yeah, or yeah, if yeah. you're watching the movie or anything like that, you can very clearly tell it's him because of the way. He works the camera and the colors and shit that he picks and everything. Yep. Like he has a very distinct style. This movie very much had a style. I don't know if I could pick it out of a crowd. Like just for uh, what's the guy's name? Gaspar Noé. Gaspar Noé. I wouldn't know if I could pick him out of a crowd just yet because this is the only movie I've seen from him. But I could definitely say that it's unique. Yeah. I could pick it out of the crowd that way. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, so. Like, you're not going to put that up with, like, fucking, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan or, like, fucking Shawshank Redemption or mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once. Like, all of those movies are great movies, mm-hmm. but you see Climax and you're going to pick that out as, like, this is something that only this person is capable of doing. And we need to celebrate that shit more, dude. Like, with James Gunn, mm-hmm. how he was doing, what, Thor, right? He did Thor? 
He did Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Gu- Guardians, right? And then they gave him um, uh, Suicide Squad. They gave him Suicide Squad. Yeah. Those are very similar in the way that they are like presented to you, mm-hmm. but they're just also very different because in one of them, he was given free reign to completely do whatever the fuck he wants. And you can very clearly tell what movie that is if you watch the two back to back. Yeah. <laughs> because James Gunn is another one of those people. I love some James Gunn. My friend Steven uh, will eventually have him on the podcast at some point, but um, <laughs> he's a very big oh, fan of James Steven, Gunn not too. James Gunn. I was like, dude, those oh, are high hopes for our man, fucking podcast. We could get James Gunn on here. But anywho, uh, big fan of his work. He's very distinct in his style, too, to where you can very clearly tell this is a James Gunn movie while you're watching it. Because it's very, I don't want to say wacky. Wacky is probably a good term, but it's it, it's like chaos. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you watch the Suicide Squad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The good Suicide Squad, not whatever the fuck the first one was yeah i completely agree like what everyone dying in the beginning almost yeah yeah and it's just like you're you going into it expecting to, you know, spoil it right off the bat oh <laughs> no, my like, bad i know it's an old movie you guys if you haven't seen the first five minutes of that movie i know <laughs> but it's like you walk into it and like they give you this huge prep like oh this is gonna be dope and shit it's like what 10 minutes of them if you being introduced to a bunch of characters yeah just like oh this guy's the baddest man on earth and he's done this and he's done that and all this other shit yeah you know? and then he blows up yeah like what the fuck? It was very much them wiping the slate clean for the, new- <laughs> yeah. Like hey, this isn't the Suicide Squad you thought you knew. They're all dead. Here's the new one. <laughs> Plus Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is dope, dude. I I really do think that we need to give these people more creative, like freedom. No, they definitely do. So. I'm really hoping that we start to see a lot more of this in the future because there are a lot of great stories that could be told. It's just the fact that movies nowadays are just a really weird landscape, you know? Um, We as consumers don't really see it too much, but people can't take too big chances on these movies anymore. You know, this is why I think a 24 is doing great work with what they're doing right now. Cause they're just kind of giving people the chance to get that kind of widespread fame. You know, because uh, I've watched a, the, there's an interview with Matt Damon. I actually think he was on hot ones or something like that. Oh shit. But he was talking about how, um, movies don't feel the same as they did back in the day, you know? And he said the big issue with it is that because of streaming services and shit nowadays, you don't have as many people buying hard copies of things. You know, back then you could rely on VHSs and DVDs and stuff. You knew if your if your uh, movie did shitty in the box office or undersold or something like that, you would basically get a second income from the DVD sales. Yeah, and it would boost your money back up to where it should have been, so you'd still make a profit off of it. You know, yeah, that's why Kevin Smith was like has an entire career. Yeah, because he would always bomb at the box office. But Mm -hmm. dude, I'm pretty sure I've bought some of his movies at least twice. Yeah. So yeah, it, I, I've it, definitely bought in two copies of a couple of his. Yeah. <laughs> Just like on accident, not even knowing that I had a copy already kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, not, not a lot of that happens anymore. They don't get that big boost in it anymore because streaming's a thing. No one buys anything hard copy. So if your if your movie bombs at the box office, you're just kind of fucked, you know, because that's your biggest source of income is the box office now. Yeah. And even now, some of the movies aren't even going to the box office anymore. Mm-hmm. They're like going straight to streaming services. Yeah. So like it, it, it's just kind of fucked on certain fronts because 
you make this big ass movie. This movie is your dream. You're hoping that this is your big breakthrough. You have other stories to tell. You know, I guarantee you everyone who's making a big movie has more than one story to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> this is just the one that they decided to make or could make concrete with what they had, you know, and you don't really get that chance anymore because you need that movie to fucking do numbers. You need that shit to do like fucking Marvel numbers for you to actually get any kind of recognition. Because there's really <laughs> no second chance. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a rough ass market from what I hear. So like I, I, I really feel for a lot of these people. And once again, this is like the fourth, third or fourth time I'm saying <laughs> A24 is doing God's work right now, man. <laughs> no, and they absolutely are because they're just completely giving people the option. Like there's this horror movie that they did besides hereditary which hereditary is fucking amazing oh, dude hereditary one. is like one of the first movies in a long long time that genuinely scared me yeah like where i i was like oh shit am i really gonna turn the lights off before i go to sleep <laughs> like i it you was gotta just like dart back upstairs after you click turn yeah, the lights off down exactly it, it was such a fucking terrifying <laughs> movie but they did another one called saint Maud, Ooh. and that movie was fucking great because it's about this um it takes like a weird spin on religion where, you know, like religion in horror movies, it always saves you. Yeah. Like the priest always comes in and they always like, oh, let's fucking exercise this, blah, blah, blah. And the priest may die or the priest may live. But regardless of what happens, religion is the backbone of how they made it work. Right. So in this movie, it's the opposite where this woman gets like entranced with religion to the point where it's detrimental and it's causing her to hallucinate and it's causing her to like fucking just have like terrible like I, I guess mental issues because of it because she's like so obsessed with the idea of like god and this and this and that saving her that it like ruins her mm-hmm. and that's such an interesting take on something oh yeah but if you like heard that as a movie person you know no one's gonna want to go watch that <laughs> like i i 100 see where you're coming from yeah because um the haunting series on Netflix, I oh. I, I feel is very similar. Dude, the yes. Haunting, the, everyone loves the haunting on Hill House because that's the scary one, right? But the thing is, is that you, it it the way I see it, I didn't like it because it was scary. The scares definitely helped because I've been watching horror movies my whole life. Yeah. When it comes to movies, not a lot of shit scares me anymore. That one actually made you feel something, so that's cool. That means that it was done well. But the plot is actually extremely good. And that's mm-hmm. rare for any horror movie. The plot is usually shitty. You're just there for the scares. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, a, I'm on the same boat as you at this point because I I get scared of everything. I'm a fucking pussy. Right. But there's a level of scare that I'm trying to reach that I don't get from jump scares. And I don't get from like, ooh, creepy monster. Like, I want it to not scare me, but to like like make me feel like something's going to happen. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's more of the concept of it, of anything. Yeah. I want to be able to think about that and go like, dude, that would be fucking terrifying. You know, like if that shit kind of happened, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like you want it to linger with you. And yeah. I, I've realized the older I get, that's what I want with movies. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of movies this year, like a, a lot of movies. And I can tell you right off the bat, at least five of them that I've like thought about not, like heavily but still like after i watched it i've thought about it love and thunder mm-hmm. haven't thought about it since i fucking watched it no nah, like that shit collectively has disappeared from our consciousness because yeah. it was such a forgettable movie yeah and that i've popped off about it a couple times 
on this podcast, just <laughs> it, it like keeps coming back up, and I'm that doesn't need to happen anymore. Exactly. You so know, that movie is in its entirety what's wrong with the Marvel movie making method, right? You know? So you take that, and then you take something like climax that I just showed you today. Mm-hmm. It's completely yeah. different. Yeah, that shit's gonna stick with me. I'm always going to remember. I may not even remember the name because I'm bad with names. Yeah. But I'm going to remember that fucking movie. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> and I think that's fucking beautiful, dude. It's going to stick with me. Yeah. I, but um, going back to what I was saying about uh, the Hill House thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Everyone knows about Hill House because it's scary. No one talks about Bly Manor or Midnight Mass because oh, they're not quite as scary. Dude. But that's to me, that's not the point. That guy just does good fucking work. Yeah, like he's a storyteller. Yeah, because Bly Manor, yes, it's not scary. Not even a little bit. Well, it's a little scary if you think about it on the existential level, but I don't expect everyone to think about it on that level. That is a love story through and through. No shit. It is not actually scary. I actually haven't seen Bly Manor because Haunting on Hill House scared the fuck out of me, (laughs) and I didn't want to get scared by Bly Manor. So I, I kind of avoided it. I saw Midnight Mass, though. Midnight Mass is the third one, and that one's fucking, ooh. Dude, Midnight ooh. Mass is... That's another one of those religion told from a different angle kind of things. Yeah. A more realistic angle, if you ask me. Yeah, and but, it's fucking beautiful. That, that, that's what I want out of something, dude. I want to look at something for whatever it may be and just think that it was beautiful. Like Climax, I'm always going to think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The way it was shot, the way the story was presented is fucking gorgeous to me. Yeah. And Midnight Mass, over, what was it, 10 episodes, 8 episodes? Mm -hmm. Over 8 episodes, they told a very beautiful fucking story that, like, reminiscing on it just feels good. Oh, yeah. Because I I don't really binge watch shit nowadays because I just get bored or uninterested or I just don't have the time in certain instances. But Midnight Mass, I watched the entirety of that in one day. It, it, it was that damn good. I had to watch it back to back because I'm like, bro, there was only one point where I was like, I feel like I, I could take a break here. Yeah. But I didn't. I, I just kept fucking going. Just powered through. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, nah, fuck it. Uh, the break I took was like 10 minutes. I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I grabbed some water and then I went right back in. You know? Yeah. It was a really good fucking show. The same with Bly Manor. Bly Manor was fucking great. They're just not scary. They're scary in a more this is human nature kind of thing. Yeah. It's less ghosts and shit, you know? Yeah. That's what I thought was the scary thing behind climax. And sorry, I keep bringing it up, but episodes is about it. Yeah. yeah, That's kind of what this is. about. um, (laughs) So with climax, I, I've thought about this movie a lot. I watched it two days ago for the first time. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it there, everyone's tripping on drugs. So they're reacting a hundred percent like how their animal instincts perceive them to be and shit. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that they're not really reacting to the fact that they're on drugs. Cause if you see all those people at some point, they all talk about doing drugs. Mm -hmm. Some of them say like, Oh, I've tried it. It wasn't really for me. Some of them are like, yeah, I fucked with drugs, you know, this and this and that. The reaction is them reacting to the fact that they got drugged without their consent. Yeah. Which is the fucking terrifying part. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, they got super drugged without their consent. Exactly. So just imagine you're chilling and shit, and all of a fucking sudden, you're high as shit. Yeah, yeah. You are gone. You are on. You're off the spectrum at that point. Yeah. You're just in a fucked up place, and you can't process it. <laughs> exactly. And everyone in the room is doing that. Yeah. 
So everyone is, it's more of a fight or flight kind of thing where everyone is trying to perceive what happened, who did it. And it's like, um, it's kind of like a whodunit story in a sense where everyone's just kind of freaking out about who did it. But then it just takes a completely different turn and it turns into this just like, like we're just going to be everything that we are. Yeah. It, it is very much just human nature amped up to 10. Yeah. You know, I, I would say 12 in that, in that because they're under the influence of something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so oh, you know what? I have a question for you as a yeah. storyteller, as someone that like likes telling stories, thinks about stories on a deeper level. Mm hmm. What do you feel about the story that we saw in that movie? On it, it, it's fucking wild. It at its very core, it's very simple. It's just a cautionary tale. Yeah. But like, I don't even have the words to like put it into my head. <laughs> like I, I'm feeling so many different things, just trying to convey the message that that movie was talking about. But yeah. it's very much just humans can be fucked up under the wrong cir circumstances, you know? Mm -hmm. And even though certain things mean well, it doesn't always turn out that way. And reality is fucking, it can be bitter, you know, but the fact that it can be bitter, I guess in a fucked up way can be beautiful. Okay. You know, cause I yeah. feel like that's what the director was trying to say. If you watch the movie, you would know. Cause he kind of just full blown throws you messages via text in the middle of the movie, <laughs> you know? And he's saying certain things and it's after scenes that are particularly fucked up you know? <laughs> or it's preparing you for something that's particularly fucked up happening in the movie, you know? And he's saying that in my opinion, he's doing that just to not lighten the mood, but just kind of put you in his mindset. If you weren't there already, if, yeah. you, if you needed a little push, what this is about, this is what it is blatantly in text. You know what I mean? Yeah. When like was, it's when, not even subtle really. Yeah. No, like it's just straight up. Like this is my thought process. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of fucking wild. It's, it's beautiful in a way just cause I'm like, I'm really glad that someone had the opportunity to just put this to film, you know, because we think weird shit all the fucking time, but just imagine having the power to actually make that a reality and then get other people to watch it. You yeah. know, there are many different ways to get someone to feel an emotion. And he was running the fucking gambit, man. He, <laughs> he was running the gambit because even after all that fucked up shit, he would flash it up there on screen in plain text. If you don't fucking get it, <laughs> yeah, here, this is what it is. And it's just, it's crazy because that is the most simple yet slept on way to convey a message is to just throw it up there. Yeah. Plain for everyone to see no context or nothing. Yeah. And you know? what I find crazy about that is that like, usually that's considered, I, I guess in a way corny. Yeah. Like if you were to watch a movie and the guy's like, oh, I'm sad. You're going to be like, bro, who gives a fuck? Right. Right. But him throwing that up there, like after you saw someone do some of the most vile shit, animalistic, like just anger induced shit. Mm -hmm. It like, it doesn't bring it down, but it just confirms what you're feeling. Right. And it, it ah, dude, it, it's such a beautiful fucking story. Mm -hmm. And it, it like, it won't leave my mind <laughs> in a weird way. I completely feel that, man. Cause there's certain movies that I watch 
And the director just has me in the palm of his hand, his or her hand, their hand, whatever the fuck you want to say. The director has me exactly where they want me to be, but I'm glad that I'm there. Yeah. You know, can you remember the last movie? Everything everywhere all at once. But before that, um, I don't remember the name of the movie. I'll have to ask my homie if he remembers me and Josh watched a movie. Right. And, uh, my friend's wife, Alexis, suggested that I watched it because it was pretty, she said it was pretty good and shit. We put it on. It was a Korean movie, Korean or Chinese, one or the other. It was an Asian film, (laughs) but, um, you have my full attention. (laughs) Basically what was going on was this chick was supposed to marry a guy, right? She didn't want to marry this guy though, because the chick was gay. She liked women, but this was, I guess at a time or more so probably her dad, because her dad was fucked up. He was weird, but, um, she didn't want to disappoint anyone. She she never told anyone that that's how she felt. Right. And she was supposed to get married to this guy. And there was this whole situation. She ended up falling in love with this other chick and it it was this whole deal. And the movies leading up to the point where these two are going to try to run away from the situation. Right. They were just going to like, you know what? Fuck this guy. Fuck this arranged wedding. Fuck my dad. Fuck all of this shit. We're just going to run away. Right. And we have this whole plan set up down to the fucking T. We have this shit down to the minute. We're going to get out of here. We have this whole plan, right? Halfway through the movie, it completely shifts into something else entirely. Like, like th- that whole shtick I just pitched you, That that's a movie in itself, right? Yeah. 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 That's like a full on. Yeah. Halfway through the movie, it just shifts gears. And all of a sudden you're in a completely different movie with a completely different plot. No shit. It's just involving the same people. Was it The Handmaiden? Maybe. Was it The Handmaiden? The one where the dude at the end with the cigars? Yes. Dude. You've seen that. That movie is so fucking good. It's so good. Oh my God. That movie is amazing. Dude, talk about beautiful fucking stories. But but you were talking, you know what I mean? How halfway through the movie, it just turns into a different movie. Yeah. Right? It completely switches. And then it's like a, and they flash it up on screen too, like act two or whatever the fuck yeah. it says. And you're like, what? It's Be- like a, yeah, it turns into like a plot movie kind of. Yeah. Because at that point in the movie, it, it it's leading you along so well. You're on the edge of your seat waiting for this moment to fucking happen, you know? Unless you're like me, when you're on the edge of your seat and you realize this movie's only been going on for like half an hour. <laughs> what the fuck? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's the rest of the movie? And then all of a sudden it just shifts and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and even still, even having that, hey, wait a minute, where's the movie going to go from here? It just completely shifts gears. Yeah. You know, because in my head, when I come to that realization of, We've only been watching this movie for 40 to 50 minutes. Where's the rest of the movie? I can, I start to think of where this is going. I try to piece the plot together, you know, and the director or the screenwriter, whoever the fuck is just like, no, we're just going to go this way. (laughs) (laughs) The opposite direction from your destination. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) See, I think in that situation, being a writer would be kind of a curse. Yeah, no, because it's very easy to fuck something like that up. Game of Thrones. (laughs) 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 It's very easy to fuck something like that up. So it is very scary of making sure it actually lands correctly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I I don't know if the director and screenwriter of that movie are two different people. 
but that's where the cohesion comes in. Because if that mo- if that shit didn't stick in the script, you can make that shit stick if you directed it properly, you know, by crescendoing everything up to that moment and then just going act two. <laughs> that was act one, the end of act one. Here's act two. And you're like, and it's just a black screen. It makes you freak the fuck out. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. What? There's a whole second half of this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden you're just in there and now you're trying to figure out you're just watching the movie again basically from that point on. Yeah. And it's fucking beautiful when that shit happens correctly. When they string you along just right, drop it off. Everything hits just as it should. Boom. Asses and seats. <laughs> Tickets paid for. Like, it's good. You know? I like that anytime I'm in that situation where, um, you know how, like, I, I don't like smoking weed. Right. I fucking right. hate smoking weed. Yeah. And anytime I've gotten high around you, you always either end up rubbing my hand or like you just tell me to write it out and shit. Yeah. And you're just like, write it out. Just write it out. I can't do that with weed, <laughs> but I do that with movies. Mm-hmm. Hard fucking core. Like, <laughs> like I'll be in a movie and I'm like, where's this going? Where's it going? And then I'll just fucking chill and mellow the fuck out and don't think about shit. I'm just like, yeah, take me there. Mm-hmm. That's why like most movies that I, I really like, I ha- I watch them more than once so I can... I can let it take me. And then the second time I can go into it and be like, oh shit, what they did with the camera work in here was fucking amazing. What this character said pertained to the shit that happens in like fucking 40 minutes. And that's why like that, that's, I love that. Right, right, right. And it it just fucking, it's fucking gorgeous, dude. Movies are so fucking beautiful. I love movies. It's a pretty good art form, man. And it can be used pretty damn well. So let's, hope that we get more of that in the near future i do because i just want more movies where i i want to have more everything everywhere all at once oh yeah definitely that movie tells a story (laughs) like i i don't know about you but with me when it comes to sadness i'm sad generally most of the time but like same i i want a uh artificial sadness i want to feel sad about something that isn't happening to me but i know is happening whether it be in an art form or like a book, like, you know, just something. I want to feel sad about something that isn't related to me. Yeah. If you could step into someone else's shoes and they're telling the story in a compelling enough way to where you actually can step into their shoes. Yeah, dude, I couldn't. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. So it's like, like going into movies with that mentality. I want something to make me feel, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's so fucking important for me to have something out there that isn't, related to me in any way other than me watching it or reading it or whatever it might be to feel that emotion Mm -hmm. like do you do you have anything that you go back to that makes you feel either sad or happy or you know whatever emotion whiplash no shit what does that make you feel oh man that makes me feel so many fucking things (laughs) oh man whiplash if everything everywhere all at once jump started its way to number one, Whiplash is a close contender. No shit. <laughs> that, that would be the number two leading to number one, just yeah. depending on my mood kind of thing. How come? That movie is fucking fantastic. Oh, okay, so it I, I I'm anxious. I'm anxious all the fucking time, right? I fucking hate it. I can't stand it. If I could do virtually anything to rid myself of it, I probably would. You know, because I've tried taking the drugs that don't quite work. 
mm-hmm. you know, like the prescribed drugs, obviously. <laughs> Just fucking heroin in the bathroom. Yeah, no, no. Why I, isn't it working? <laughs> chase, uh, I don't chase the dragon, but um, anywho, <laughs> we say that after we're a whole bottle of cognac, <laughs> dude. This room is cognac hot. Yeah, it like, is. but um, Whiplash just got them cognac sweats. It the whole point of the movie is to make you feel anxious about certain things. Like like in certain scenes, it's really trying to make you feel anxious because the character is anxious. But it does it in a way where I fucking get it. It just resonates with me on a personal level. You know, mm-hmm. like I completely understand where this guy's coming from, and it fucking sucks I, I i get the fucking just the fire in you to just be good to just be better than everybody else you know and then for that fire to actually influence everything that you're doing you know so like with me when i was younger and stuff i i like quelled that shit i i didn't think that that was the right way to go so i stopped being competitive and shit and it, it still sparks up every now and then. You see it all the fucking time. Like, we play game, certain games or some shit. Yeah. I, I fucking get in there. Dude, like, you get no. mad as fuck at League I'm like, of Legends. no, I need it. Fuck League of Legends. <laughs> Dude, I've seen you go through some of the worst shit imaginable. <laughs> I have never seen you as mad as when you play League of Legends. Yeah. Be, well, you haven't seen me play fighting games. <laughs> if it's worse than League of Legends, I don't want to see you play a fighting game. I get a lot madder at fighting games than I do at League. Because at least in League, I can fall back on the fact that I'm new to this. <laughs> you know? I've been playing fighting games since I was like four and I still suck. So, <laughs> because I never put in the time to actually get good. And it never pisses me off until I'm fighting someone who's good. <laughs> that I'm like, I should be better. <laughs> it, it goes places. But anywho, just the fucking urge that that guy felt the fucking fire and shit, you know, and the way the movie is actually telling the story and it's simple shit that you pick up on. If you've just watched a lot of movies, you know, in the beginning of the movie, miles tellers character is wearing a white shirt. He's pure. He's uncorrupted and shit. And in comes, uh, JK Simmons character, Fletcher, and he's wearing the black shirt. He's, he's the one doing the corrupting. He's the bad one. You know, mm-hmm. and throughout the movie, you see the guys change to wearing gray shirts. And then at the end of the movie, he's wearing a black shirt, just like Fletcher is. And that's when he's hit the point that Fletcher is like, you're good. You have my recognition. But it was only after he threw away his own morals and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he lost everything in that movie. Yeah. No, he went through a whole ass fucking journey. And that's the whole thing about the end of that movie. The, it's not a good ending. He loses himself at the end of that movie. The guy is, Fletcher's whole thing is that he is fought the the movie's about jazz. (laughs) Do you like jazz? Do you like jazz? You will after this fucking movie. Whiplash. (laughs) Whiplash is fucking it. I don't care if all you listen to this fucking dubstep, watch Whiplash. (laughs) It is amazing. But anywho, Fletcher's whole thing, he's the teacher of the main character, Miles Teller's character. I don't remember the character's name in the movie. But his whole thing is that the greats of jazz got there in his eyes because they had an asshole standing behind him. This dude that was just fucking dogging him over everything, you know, every little thing driving this man to be the best he could possibly be at his craft. You know, so that's his whole teaching method is just I'm just an ass, 
you need to be perfect the first time I asked for it. Whenever I ask for it, you need to be perfect. You need to practice that much. You need to be, you need to eat shit and breathe and eat jazz. (laughs) Dude, how important was it that one of his students killed himself? That was the thing that that was supposed to be like, Hey, maybe you're driving these people too far. This guy was fucked up. He killed himself. And yeah, it shook Fletcher for like a minute. But at the end of the day, it, it was just kind of like a, it, it was, I, I call it the human check. <laughs> the maybe I'm tripping too much. <laughs> kind of check. He, JK Simmons, uh, ironically has it again in invincible when he's playing Omni man. Oh yeah. Maybe I'm beating, I'm beating my son's ass right now. Maybe I'm tripping a little too bad. <laughs> Dude, he had that in Spider-Man too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking this man's life up. Maybe I'm tripping too bad. JK Simmons stay tripping. <laughs> he's the yellow M&M too. Makes yeah. Me wonder what he gets up to in his downtime. And who was he in avatar? He was Tenzin. Yeah. Tenzin was tripping at some point too. Tenzin was tripping a lot. Yeah. He, he wasn't tripping on JK Simmons levels, but he was tripping for children's TVs levels. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, whiplash. Yeah. It, it, it's, I call it the human check. Just I'm tripping too hard. Maybe I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. And he didn't, he just kept fucking going. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. But the thing was, was that at the end, Fletcher got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He found the guy who was willing to throw away his humanity in an anime-esque way. <laughs> the Jojo, I reject my humanity and put on the, the fucking stone mask and shit. Fucking car accident and everything. Yeah, like he legit threw it all away to be the best. And that's what Fletcher was looking for. The guy to mold into the best. The guy that was willing to throw away everything else and just live for that one thing. You know, that's what the fuck he was looking for. Just that singular focus. And he gave it to him and he gave it up. He gave up his humanity and everything. That's the whole end of the movie. He runs away from his dad. His dad is the tether in the whole movie. His dad represents mediocrity, you know, and the whole movie, he's growing further and further away from his dad and trying to please Fletcher because the dad is in his eyes is weak. You know, he doesn't want to live that mediocre life his dad did. He wants to be great. He has mm-hmm. to be the best. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be walked over by the family and shit. You know what I mean? And, oh, man, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah. I can it, talk about Whiplash all day. But <laughs> It's funny because looking back on it, um, I've seen that movie about two or three times. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw it, I thought it ended in a good way. Yeah. I was like, oh, he finally impressed them. Dope. And then that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. And then watching it again, I'm like seeing all those things and I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And you see the characters slowly turn into a piece of shit. Yeah. Like hurting all these people and doing all this. And mm-hmm. then you see him try to redeem himself. And then it's like, it's like, um, it's like seeing an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? Like they're weaning off and they're fucking getting better. Right. right. And then they're presented with the drink. Mm-hmm. And then. And, and a fucking big choice has to be made. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, the guy chooses wrong. Yeah. So he, he chose <laughs> the drink and then you see him. He doesn't spiral, but you you can infer from what the director was like trying to present to you that a spiral happened. Yeah. And it's fucking insane. Yeah, you only get to see bits of it, flashes of it, basically, in, in certain scenes. And then you see the way he's treating certain people and shit that he's changing. But outside of that, 
because the whole movie is presented in a way to where everyone's just being a dick to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That he's justified for lashing out at these people because they're tethering him down. But then by the end of it, you're like, okay, you took the lesson the wrong way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and now he's quite literally turning away from the dad to run back to Fletcher. Yeah. You sergeant piled it. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he's turning away from the dad, going back to Fletcher and then becoming Fletcher basically, or what Fletcher's, um, uh, ideal image of him basically by the end of the movie. And which means he lost, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's that fucking movie. But it's like it, the movie ends and it presents you a question, you know, do you doggedly pursue your hopes and dreams regardless of who you fuck up or what weird decisions you make in the process to be the best? Or do you settle for less? Or can you find a balance between the two kind of thing? You know, it presents you with a question at the end of the movie. It makes you think, you know, and at the end of that movie, after the dude plays his drum solo and he does all the crazy shit and everything, and he gains Fletcher's approval at the cost of his own humanity and his dreams and shit. Like, well, his dream was to be the best, but you know what I mean? At the cost of his humanity, yeah. it plays the song that he's been trying to perfect the entire time during the credits. It plays whiplash <laughs> and caravan and shit. The movie that he had been trying to get perfect perfected the whole time. It plays that while you're sitting there thinking about this shit. <laughs> and it's just like, did this guy get this good because of the shit that happened to him? Was he born with that talent or did he like, like, was he happy at the end kind of thing? It just presents you with questions yeah, instead of answers by the end. Dude. I've, I've always thought about this a lot. Because um, Michael Jackson's dad was a piece of shit. Yeah. Like 100% he was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But look at what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you were presented with that choice at birth, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to fucking destroy you for however many years. But the aftermath of that is you're going to be remembered. You're going to be loved. You're going to be one of the greatest people that has ever lived. Would you take that? And I feel that's one of the questions that it tries to present to piggyback off of particularly what you said with the Michael Jackson thing. It's also a cautionary thing because look what else Michael Jackson is known for. The man, the man's known for two things. Yeah. <laughs> the man's known for being the king of pop, <laughs> which is what you just brought up. And he's known for more fucked up things. Yeah. And it is a very real <laughs> possibility that both of those things came from the same thing. <laughs> I know this is fucked up, but I just thought of the king of pop and the king of sleepovers. <laughs> He's the king of pop and the king of sleepovers. <laughs> oh my God. That's fucked up. Anywho. <laughs> yeah, nobody laugh at that. <laughs> you sickens. But yeah, so that that's that's the that's the polarity behind it, right? Yeah, it's That's just the oil and the water. It's two different. Both of those things could have very well stemmed from the same influence. You mm. know what I mean? I, I'm not the one that can actually judge whether or not that's true, but it is a possibility that both of those things stemmed from his upbringing yeah. in that kind of environment with that kind of parent, you know, so or that kind of just figure standing over you in general, you know, what, yeah. in reference back to whiplash and shit. So it's just. It, that's why I like that movie so much because it makes you think, 
you know it doesn't yeah. just give you everything in the movie it gives you everything just for that guy but like i said it leaves the glaring question afterwards what would you do in this situation you know <laughs> it is what he did right is what he did wrong how do you feel about this shit and i yeah. think movies that present you with the question at the end even if they conclude whatever's going on in the movie, if it just leaves you with something afterwards, I think that's the important bit. That's why I think it's so important to stick the landing when you're storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, you ha- it, in my opinion, you have to have a good-ass ending. The good-ass ending can almost forgive shitty storytelling from point A to point C. You know, if point A and B were bad, C could still remedy some of it. You know, it doesn't make it a good movie, but it at least helps it (laughs) yeah like because your your lasting impression on it is the end yeah like that you everything in the middle is important and like you you think about it the way it starts and the way it ends is always what you're going to remember the most yeah it's a different medium but the first the thing that pops into my head is like final fantasy 15 the game's trash at least the um the launch version of it. it fucking sucked you know uh the beginning was bad the middle was bad the ending was pretty bad all the way up until the actual end of the game. And then it's like, Oh, <laughs> but like, I'll, I'll say to this day, I'm like 15 sucks, but the ending was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it gives it a point, you know, like that, that shit sticks out in my head, you know, you need something to stand on. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I guess conclusions being said, um, climax without not getting too into it. The final shot of the movie is you finding out who drugged the people, right? Right, right. I very personally feel like that shouldn't have been included in the movie. I think we would have been fine not knowing. Yeah, because in the end, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really didn't matter because to the audience, that's just a person. Yeah, like everything that happened up until that point, whether it be subjective or whether it be like metaphorical or whatever the guy was trying to show you, happened. Mm-hmm. so us knowing what the ending was i feel like was unnecessary do you feel the same way yes and no i i, I can see it from both sides because the way i perceive it if i'm trying to look at it from what i think the director is trying to tell me is that it's it's like a human it, we were talking about it earlier a human nature thing mm-hmm. you know where it's just like hey um this may have been just all of these people amped up to 12 on a scale of, on the scale of 10. <laughs> you know, This is all these people on 12, but a human caused this still. Yeah. You know? Oh, so it like grounds it in a sense. I think it's trying to leave you with the thought of people can do this. This is within human behavior kind of okay. thing. If I was trying to get artsy and shit with it, I do agree with you in the fact that I don't think that that scene should have been in there. Because it doesn't really matter who did it. It still happened. And the actual experience of the movie, in my opinion, is everything that happens before that. Because <laughs> some shit goes on yeah. <laughs> in that movie. Climax is a doozy. But yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I guess that being said, uh, that was today's episode. We had a lot of fun. I, I always love talking to my friend Ray and especially movies. Oh yeah, dude! We, I love talking about movies. We, we get in on some movie yeah. shit. We've so, done it many um, times. If you guys like this episode, let us know. I'll show Ray more weird, fucked up movies, and then we can talk about them for a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna leave you guys with this. 
watch the movie. Watch the movie because it's not something that is going to make you sad or it's going to make you feel something. Watch it because it's just a piece of art. Because it's something that you can never experience unless you watch it. Like nothing else is going to match it. And it's just something that I feel should be watched. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And um, I'm Miguel. I'm Ray. <laughs> and uh, we love you guys. Some of you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most, you know most of you guys. Like good 99%. You know who you are. Take a shower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking heathen. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you later on the next one. Yeah. Hopefully you've showered by then, you fuck. <laughs> Peace. Sir, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm fuck. Woo! This is your um, show, Long Blood. Young Blood. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking dude. A bottle of cognac really sneaks up on you. Holy shit! Like you, <laughs> you really think it wouldn't? You know what I mean? <laughs> Damn, I can't even imagine what you're feeling. You took like four hits, Corey. I have a good idea on where this episode is headed. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the episode. Is a bottle of cognac sneaks up on you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. This, um, this, this is going to be rough. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was great. <clears throat>